We're back again. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. That's Chase, and I'm Josh, and we are here to bring you Season 2 of a series we covered last year, bringing it back around. Today, we're going to dive into Loki Season 2, and man, I'll tell you what, from what we saw on screen, a lot of fun stuff up ahead for us here. So uh, Chase is going to be the one in the driver's seat today, taking us through the first episode. We're going to kind of break this down how we have been for these series recently, where we're going to do one episode per a series episode, so we're going to have six great episodes here for Loki Season 2, an awesome rankings episode at the end, and uh, you know, before we get started, I'll turn the floor to Chase to say a few words. The God of Mischief is back, baby! Let's go! Yeah, man, I'm, I'm stoked for this one. This one is uh, a lot of intellectual moments, so if you're listening to us, definitely pay attention. A lot of full circle, a lot of really good writing. Nice to be in the shoes of some good writing in Marvel now. And yeah, man, let's get a malice in the chalice, and then uh, I'll take it away for us. Cheers, brother. Yeah, for sure, man. Cheers. And to your point, like you just mentioned, this is something that you got to pay attention to. If you miss a little bit, it's going to be very confusing, and it's hard to, to keep up. This is the one that they did a lot of uh, well, well-thought-out writing. So it's a, this is someone, there's a, fresh, a breath of fresh air compared to some of the stuff that you know has been coming out from Marvel recently. So we're really excited about this one, man. But yes, the glass is in the air, and I'll let you take it away. Cheers. Okay, so the episode starts out. If you kind of remember from last season, remember Loki showed up and they didn't know who he was. And he was seeing like the, we call him the he who remains uh, statue that was there. So clearly not in the same place. And Loki's running from Mobius and the TVA, and which is time variance authority if you forgot. I know it's been a while. But so the Mobius continues to say he doesn't know Loki and Loki jumps off the ledge that's behind them onto a taxi below, but crashes into the main central station. The one that has that orange TV ball that we saw last season and Loki sees Casey that was from season one and ask him if he can tell what's tell him what's going on. And Casey alerts the guards that he caught an intruder. So clearly Casey doesn't recognize Loki either. And then Loki, he basically almost like transforms. And what he's doing is he's time slipping and transporting, almost like that Goku instant transmission, but going to another part of the timeline. And then he sees Casey again in another room. And Loki tells Casey that he is being pulled and he was in the past before. Then Loki goes to see Mobius, Morbius, (laughs) the vampire, Mobius, remember our guy, Wedding Crashers, baby, (laughs) so it goes to see Mobius in this current timeline that he's just slipped to, and he sees Hunter B-15, well, during this time, so Hunter B-15 tells Mobius that the branches are continuing to grow, and Casey alerts Mobius and Hunter B-15 that Loki appeared to be in pain and disappeared right in front of them right in front of him at the time where he time slipped. Now we have General Docs, that was from last season, and then Judge Gamble. They're all in this room together with all like the head honchos here. And they send a guard to give word that want to see Mobius and Hunter B-15 in the war room. And Loki then time slips again and asks Casey where Mobius is and informs him that he is in the war room. And then Loki arrives in the war room and sees sculptures of he who remains all along the wall. And a message from Loki 
plays, which is this tape recording that plays, and it tells the group that they have had their memories erased and that they're all variants, and he's screaming in this out of this tape recorder. And Hunter B-15 and Mobius then tell the group that they need a moment to explain, and then Loki plays this recording again, and it's from He Who Remains, and it's another recording, and he says, you are quite a marvel. I will be proud to lead with you. You made a difference in this war. And you know something's up with it. So he rewinds it. And then he plays it again. And it says, thank you for being on my team. For us. For all time. Ravenna Renslayer. You are quite a marvel. I will be proud to lead with you. And that's a big point. And remember, we kind of had, we saw a little bit of her last season. So now uh, Hunter B-15 and Mobius tell the group that they need to stop pruning branches. And Judge Gamble gives the order to stop pruning them immediately because uh, so the branches don't get destroyed. And then Loki time slips into the room where the war room is. And he grabs a pruning stick after Hunter X-5 was coming after him to capture him. And tries to stop him. But he shoves him back and grabs the pruning stick and shoves it against the wall. And it reveals and disintegrates the wall and reveals a sculpture of he who remains. And Loki says, that's who stole this place. That's who stole your lives. That's who's coming back. And he warns the group that he who remains is coming back and that Sylvie was going to kill He Who Remains. And then General Dox asks where Sylvie is, and Loki says he doesn't know, and then, uh, and that she kicked him through a time door, and then Dox orders Hunter X-5 to find Sylvie and where she's at. Loki tells Mobius that they made it to the end and saw He Who Remains, and the variants of He Who Remains are coming. Then Loki tells Mobius that he he that mobius doesn't remember all these things because he who remains wiped his memories and he came from the past when he time slipped and loki then time slips again in front of mobius on accident and loki continues to do this in front of mobius back and forth and then mobius travels with loki after this to go see ouroboros which is also known as ob He's an old friend of Mobius that he hasn't seen in 400 years. And Loki time slips in front of Obi when he's getting introduced. And Obi was pretty cool. <laughs> what do you think of Obi? He was definitely kind of uh, one of your genius kind of scientists that got brought out of nowhere. And he's one of my favorites, man. He's awesome. What do you think of Ouroboros? Yeah, I agree. I, I like Obi a lot. And they cast his type of role perfectly. He played it. Uh, very believably, I really enjoyed what he brought to the season, and, and you know, as he only his role only grows, you know, for the from this episode forward to the end of season two. So yeah, but his introduction was great. It was comical in the natural way, where you you can you everyone all of us know someone like Obi. You know what I mean? And it, it was just like I said, really really cool, and he played the part perfectly. And yeah, it was great. It was awesome. And at this point, what's funny is when he first meets Obi, 
Obi says it's impossible to time slip in the TVA verse. Like, well, that just can't happen. But uh, if they did to help this situation, they would need a temporal aura extractor. And Obi says it can rip your skin apart and pull you from time and space. But you can prune yourself to release you back to the present of where you're originally at, which pruning, you know, stab you with one of those sticks that they have. And Mobius and Loki then time slip back to Obi again when there is a and there is a power surge. And Obi is informed that the timeline is branching and there's a problem with the temporal loom. And he says it's in the TVA guidebook. And this is pretty funny. He's like holding up the like, how do you know this? He's like, it's in the guidebook. <laughs> like he knows everything. It's awesome. And at the end of the hall, there is this door that opens and the door opens and Mobius, Loki, and Obi go through and they see the temporal loom is overloading. And Obi tells the group that you have to prune the other branches in order to fix it to stop it from overloading. And Obi says they have to do, do this and close the blast doors to protect the TVA. And once the doors close, they can resync Loki and then they have to do this now. It's either now or it's not going to happen. And Loki begins to prune himself, but Obi stops him and says they need to get Mobius in position first and then launch Loki into the extractor and then close the blast door. So there has to be a process in this. And Obi gives Loki a timer. And it's like this little clock that can turn green. And he says, tells him to stand by to prune himself. And when it turns green, that means Mobius has succeeded. But if too late, he will be lost in time forever. And Mobius will also lose all his skin because it's going to tear him apart. And then an agent informs the group that Docs and her crew are raiding the armory. And Loki says it's because they're going after Sylvie. And Hunter B-15 says that she'll handle Docs and to continue what they're doing. And then Loki time slips again as he's debating with Mobius if he will make it back. And then he slips into the future. And then Obi at this time sets up with Mobius and says he needs to get down the runway and put in the extractor so they can fix this. And then Loki attempts to find the time stick at this time while Mobius on the other side, on the, in the other area, begins to make his way down the runway with the extractor to get to, to fix this process. And then Loki continues on the other end of this other timeline he slipped to continues to look for the time stick stick and the timer obi gave him turns green back to where obi and mobius are obi tells mobius that need to they need to close the blast doors now despite mobius saying they need more time and obi begins to reveal a red button that tells mobius they have 30 seconds i was thinking it almost like the nuclear launch codes like you have like the glass kind of case and as he begins to open it you know, there's the red button. And Obi says, Mobius, listen to me. There's nothing you can do for him. He is lost to time. Referring to, you know, Loki. There's no way to really help him at this point. Everything's lost. And then Mobius turns around to attempt his return. And Obi says he is not going to make it. And Loki, in the other timeline, is near the elevator. And through the elevator doors, Sylvia appears and says, and, and, says oh there you are and as sylvie appears loki time slips again and disintegrates into pieces 
And then Loki reappears on the bridge. Well, hold as on. Mobius is Real there. quick, just to interrupt there and clarify, he didn't time slip at that point in time. He like he got he when disintegrated, he got pruned. But you just don't know how yet. It wasn't a time slip on that one. Okay. Well, yeah, it got pruned. Yeah. So there you go. Well, he jumped somewhere else. And where he jumped to. So yeah, he got pruned and disintegrated into all these pieces. And he reappears on the bridge. But that's a good point, because that's kind of a, a long time later. So he reappears on the bridge as Mobius is disintegrating and collides into Mobius, knocking him through both the blast doors back inside. And then Loki tells Mobius that they need to find Sylvie. And then Docs has the TV agents walking through a time door with duffel bags. And Hunter B-15 asks, where are they going? All this for Sylvie? And the episode ends. And then the credits roll. And then we have this scene, and Sylvie walks through a time door in 1982 in Broxton, Oklahoma, where she walks into a McDonald's, and she approaches the server, and she, you know, she's like, how do I do this? Like, where am I at? And the server goes, what would you like? And Silver says, Sylvie says, not squirrel, possum, rat, something that's already dead, and nothing with a face, please. And the server says, well, you can try our new chicken McNuggets, or you can have a Big Mac, filet of fish hamburger cheeseburger and sylvie looks around and notices all the families there that are just having a good time and her face almost turns into like tears of joy and she just turns back around and looks at the server and says i want to try everything and the episode ends what do you think about what are your takeaways from this episode jay nelly it was a good way to pick back up where last season left off how we get back into a separate timeline and you know people don't recognize loki don't know who he is and i think they did a good job of making that believable i will say some of the things and, and it does, i think they do a good job of explaining it later on but if you were just to watch this episode in a vacuum on its own a lot of the time slipping didn't really make sense and there was no pattern to it and i think that's supposed to be that was the, the intention is that you can't control this time slipping you know, this like this is an event that's supposed to be outside the sacred timeline, and so because of the events that happen where Sylvie killed He Who Remains last season, this it disrupted stuff that wasn't supposed to be disrupted, and now we have this new problem for this season, and it's it's something that will play a big role. But I just feel like if you're watching this for the first time, it can be a little confusing of trying to keep. The timeline straight, like, is Loki in the past? Is he in the present? Is he in the future? What? Where are we at? So it can be a lot, and it can jump around a bit. But what I do enjoy is that they they keep it on, and they keep it consistent, and as the episodes go on, it is easier to follow, and, and they do make it understandable you know, by the end. So, But in this episode as a whole, if you were watching it standalone, I do think that it... it I don't want to say it would turn you off, but, like, I remember watching it and wondering, um, where the hell is this going? You know, and but I will say that they did a good job like later on. So yeah, the episode was good. It's something you have to really follow and keep things in mind for future episodes. It's it's like we were talking about. This is some of the things if you're not paying attention, you'll miss important factors and you're gonna be you're gonna think to yourself well how did this come about well they do a good job of bringing things full circle but you have to pay attention and I do think 
overall, especially like the introduction of new characters, that this Ouroboros guy, and I think they did a good job with the casting there. I think that, you know, what he's able to do, and I, I, what I really enjoy too, is that the, the time... The timing of everything in the TVA is so strange. Like you'd mentioned, when uh, he saw Moby, he said, oh, we haven't seen each other in 400 years. Like 400 years? <laughs> Damn, dude. Like that's that's four human lifetimes, you know? So I thought that was pretty cool. And in the way that he's so technologically savvy, he can build something that would take, you know, years to build. He can do it in 10 minutes. So it, it, I, he's got these really cool abilities. He wrote this TVA handbook. The handbook's going to come into play later on too so overall it was a good episode to start but i can imagine for some people it being a little confusing just starting and taking this episode to the side on its own but overall i think it was good there wasn't a whole lot of action you know not really any fight scenes to to stick out or in people dying but it does set a lot of things up for episodes to come and uh you know it's one of the things where let's say you just started today on loki season two and you're kind of curious about it just keep pushing through because it does end up making sense and it does set things up to where you know by the end you're gonna be like wow that was really good so yeah i I think i think the, the episode did a good job of of building and i think uh you know i would say if i'm gonna grade it on a scale of one to ten this one alone by itself I'll give it like an 8.2. I'll give it 8.2 just because a lot of it is more things you got to follow and pay attention to. Would have been nice to see. Obviously, Loki is the god of mischief. So you see, you, you think in all these big superhero movies, you're going to at least have a few fight scenes or people are, are, are duking it out. But it's more of like a, a build-up, set-up episode for the future. But they do a good job with it. So that's why I, I favorably rate it. But those are my takeaways on this one, man. How about you? I loved it. I thought it was great. I mean, this is a prime example of why you don't have to go crazy with CGI and, and budgeting to have something really solid in place. Like, I mean, this episode, I mean, yeah, they had very uh, amazing visuals with where they were at. But at the same time, like the, you know, your bread and butter of this episode was riding, And it was very intellectual to think about. And I mean, I totally get what you're saying too if you were just watching this and just turned it on and never saw anything about season one you'd be like what the hell is going on (laughs) but uh yeah just stick with it if you haven't seen it because like a lot of these are like really big full circle moments that come into play and uh it, it one thing i can really appreciate about loki this series is how creative it is to come up with something like this like I feel like this is one thing, you know, the MCU uh, Marvel has done well with the multiverse saga is it's almost like this whole multiverse saga was almost created for the God of Mischief. Like, I feel like he's really the only one that any of this has really made any sense for, you know, like almost like maybe they should have just stuck with him on it. But same thing. It was definitely a, a build up episode. It wasn't a filler because there's a lot of really good, important detail in there. It just wasn't a lot, a whole lot of action. But if you're okay to just, you know, put something on and really kind of want to think a bit and uh, watch something that really um, has, I mean, the writing was impeccable, really. I would say, yeah, same thing. I would give it an 8.5 just because, like, 
I won't rank it higher just because like there's yeah there's it's really so much thinking involved there's not a lot of action but they did really well keeping the pacing going where you weren't confused into that aspect and they did keep it going pretty well to where you could understand it as long as you paid attention like it didn't some episodes of like Westworld for instance that we covered those are so damn confusing <laughs> like unless you're invested in the series there's no way in hell you're gonna understand what happened like this I feel like even if you did just pick up in season two if you really paid attention you could figure it out but you did have to really pay attention but if you did watch season one it was pretty easy to stay still and kind of like just follow the motions and see what was going on like it wasn't to the point it was over the top ridiculous either um, so I, I thought it was really creative, and I thought the sci-fi aspect was really cool. So, yeah, same thing. I'd give it an 8.5. Cool, man. Yeah, and here's another thing I'm thinking about, too, is that a lot of this whole time travel trope that a lot of these franchises dive into, it's very hard to follow, and it doesn't make a lot of logical sense. And I would kind of even agree to, with this episode if you take it as a standalone where, you know, there's no rhyme or reason of where you are in the time, like I said, past, present, or future. You know, so I, I will say, though, again, I've mentioned this earlier, is that sticking it out and going through, these writers did the best job of all so far that I've come across of making time travel at least make some semblance of logical sense that's been the that's been the hardest thing with time travel we've had this problem with the time turners in harry potter we've had this problem in other aspects of other works too but this has been the one that makes the most sense i'm still not saying it's perfect but it was it's always been so hard to follow because then you start thinking about all the alternates that could happen and how you know the butterfly effect where this small occurrence happens in this where and if it didn't happen that way what would the changes have been and you can go down this dark rabbit hole just anything being possible and then if everything's possible nothing makes sense there's no congruent timeline and it can get real messy but i will say that this series and especially in this season starting with this here episode one it does the best job that i've seen to date of explaining time travel and different universes and uh it it it's really refreshing instead of just leaving it up to us to be like, okay, well, I guess we're just going to assume that's the only thing that happened. I've, I've really showing us the different variations. And, you know, for example, when he's in the past, no one recognizes him, but they were kind of searching for him in the past as like a wanted individual, although he kind of did it when it was, you know, he kind of broke the timeline code back in the first season. So they weren't actually actively searching, just depending on how far back you wanted to go. But, you know, not, not under not knowing who he was, not keeping tabs on him. That was a little bit interesting because you would think that the TVA would keep extra high tabs on not just in regular people, but you know, for example, God and Thor being the god of thunder, Loki being the god of mischief, maybe the Avengers, people who have like extra abilities. You would think that the TVA would know who these individuals are, whether it's past, present, or future. So that part got a little strange for me of how they are pretending, like not pretending, but they act like they don't know who Loki is. And I get it. I See, I would get it when he greets them and they don't recognize him as the friend that he is in the current timeline. But you still should know who that is. So that's like just a small little discrepancy. 
that I don't like. But in the grand scheme of things, this like the writers of Loki have done the best job of all the jobs I've seen to date of explaining time travel and different timelines and parallel universes. Those are just my thoughts on it. Yeah, I like what you said there too. Because another thing it really does that the catch the this is why I'm usually against time travel being brought into fantasy series is because it's hard to make the audience feel like the stakes are high with time travel and i think that's one thing like it really had to had taken a lot of thought for this series because that's one thing i think the uh, the writers did very well is not only explained it but you did get the portrayal you know we have grown with these characters and it is explained to where you do understand to a degree exactly what's going on so you feel like the stakes are high and they need to get this done otherwise you know one of these characters that you really care about you know that's it or like one of these branches or the stakes are you know like what are they going to do here like how is this how can they can overcome something that's in the words of thanos inevitable right and um that's one thing I think it really stands out as opposed to some of the other Marvel stuff, you know, we've had is, you know, with this whole multiverse saga. I mean, look at what we covered last week. Like, no matter how high the stakes got, I really didn't care what happened. Whereas like here, everything that's taking place on this timeline, you still like right like in this episode. I wanted them to get to Sylvie as soon as they could, like try to figure out what's going on. Cause you also had the whole stuff going on with docs and you feel like, you know, you have this inner conflict with everything that's going on, not just the branches. Um, so yeah, I thought it was really good, but so definitely a building episode. Uh, what debates did you have for the day? Jay Nelly? I've got a, f- I, I didn't say a few, I've got two debates that just, again, more about discussion than, I'm taking a hard stance on something. So in this episode, let's talk about like, because the biggest thing is trying to make this make sense while you're watching as you're watching it. So my question to you is, do you feel like the time slipping specifically was a bit too much and jumped around or do you think they did the right amount and knew where they were going with it i guess like that's that's kind of where i want to ask you now the time slipping specific because this is something that is new it wasn't shown in season one it's something that you kind of had to get used to and like i said there was and this was i think it was written to be random but it didn't seem as if there was a lot of like a pattern like a no not even an explanation but it's not like a pattern it's something that you know it's like you know for example last week and this is so funny that you can kind of draw comparisons to other works but for example last week when we had covered the standalone movie the marvels and every time one of them used their powers they slipped in in, and swapped with each other you know but the thing is like that that was the explanation is okay every time you use your power even though there's plot holes and they didn't do it every time regardless I'll, i'll leave that alone but point being is that at least that was the explanation and that was the process okay every time you use your power you're swapping with this person in a different location so where here the time slipping wasn't like loki obviously you can't use your magic in the tva uh that's that's part of the whole deal of that that place 
So it's not like he was using his powers and then time slipping. Or there was not there was not an action that caused the time slipping. And do you think that they could have done a better job of maybe explaining that up front, or do you like the way it went? And you know, when I say, do you think they did it too much? Like, do you think they just? I I don't want to say they, but the the creators and the writers of, of this episode. Do you believe that there was a plan, or do you believe that this is something? that they put in as a new way to gain attention that really hasn't been done to this point. Yeah, I think honestly it's a new way that probably hasn't gained attention into this point, just throw something different into the mix. And the reason I say that, and I almost was thinking, well, it could have been a plan because how it's like so well written. But honestly, I think it was something they just threw into the mix to make it be creative in something new because we saw what happened at the end of season one. And I think it's gotten, it's almost like, how do you even solve an issue like that, (laughs) that you just started? So I think this is part of their answer that they came up with to solve that with, which we can say it, he who remains. I mean, he's in talked about in this episode, even though we don't see him. But you have to come up with a way to fix something like that. I mean, for the guy that's at that literally the end of every timeline, how could you not have to jump to other timelines if that's what he's doing? So I think that's what they probably came up with. But this is where I think it's one of those cases where it just happened to work out, where as they went along, they kind of put this all together before they f- did all this. and was like, oh, this plan could really work just because you have some things going in your favor and who Loki is. For example, you couldn't go do this with Doctor Strange. <laughs> like, like, I mean, like, you can't just... I mean, I guess technically you could with all the portals and they've been doing whatever the fuck they want for the past, like, two years now. But it just wouldn't hit home or really, to me, it really wouldn't make any sense because he has no experience in something like that. Um, so I think it was something they just came up with, but I think it happened to really work out in their favor. What are your thoughts? It's interesting because my thoughts tend to kind of go in both directions. Of I think that this time slipping, it doesn't make sense and it, it did annoy me that it wasn't explained of there there wasn't a cause and an effect type of situation where this happens and the time slipping happens and it's not like you know anytime he was high stressed or you know in a life danger dangerous situation and you know that's kind of sometimes how people uh realize not to say realize the powers but like the, the things happen in those kind of moments where this one he's just walking down the fucking walkway and boom well, he time slipped into you know wherever whether it's the past or the future and then you know he's talking to Ouroboros and all of a sudden he time slips and you know but the one thing I will say and, and I do think that there was a direction with it I, I wish there was a more of an explanation if there was a cause and effect but obviously not everything's you know nicely and tied up in a neat little bow like that but I will say that it does help build for the future too because now Ouroboros got to see that he's like okay well now obviously I know time slipping is a thing here even though I thought it was impossible that means something's really fucked up with the timeline we got to figure some stuff out so I think it did kickstart what's to come and I think it's a they it was definitely the plan 
I guess my biggest thing was I just don't know if there was ever supposed to be a cause and effect sort of deal for this or if it was always supposed to be random and they just kind of figure out as they go. Like I said, I do think as a, as a whole, and you put the like in a vacuum of the entire season two of Loki, not that it makes sense of the time slipping aspect, but it is really important to where everything ends up and how things play out. So time slipping is absolutely necessary. I just personally had wished that there was an, an explanation of of when when the time slipping happened. So, but again, that's just my my own brain thinking. I want something nice in the in in an ordered fashion, and that's just not always the reality. There's a lot of chaos, especially after you kill the person there at the end of time, and all these timelines are branching infinitely. You know, and and you got uh, all these things happening at the TVA that aren't supposed to. Happen. So this whole this whole season is a little bit of chaos, and in, in chaos, a lot of things happen that don't make sense. There's no order or explanation to it. So I guess, to be honest, even though it's something I personally would have liked, I think they might have gone the right way with it because, like I said, it fits the theme of the entire timelines collapsing and and bursting into chaos now that the sacred timeline is in jeopardy. So, you know, I think that they had a plan for it, and I think the plan ended up working out to their favor. I was just kind of curious if they, you know, we thought that that they did too much with it or they didn't explain it enough. And I could see people who watch this episode alone might have those concerns of like, where where the hell are they going with this? Why is this happening? There's no explanation here. There's no cause and effect. So, you know, I will say that, you know, like digging a little bit deeper into it and thinking about how this season started, everything kind of going to shit because they killed the guy at the end of time. And how everything's kind of tossed into chaos now, and we got new timelines that aren't supposed to be there. We're not pruning stuff anymore because we're trying to make sure as many people live as possible on their own timelines. And you know, all this is again it bursts into a form of chaos, and there's no there's no pattern or uh, decent sort of sequence of events in chaos. So that, I think that's a really again strong strong writing on this end. But I do. Just personally, wish there was a little bit more explanation on that of like, okay, well, when this happens, that's when Loki time slips. You know, if a shoe's untied, then he times. You know, just anything. Like, you know, <laughs> give me something. But the, the randomness of it may actually be the most logical path. So don't necessarily hate it. But th- those are my thoughts on it. Did you have any uh, other thoughts on that before we move into my second debate? No, man. I mean, I just think it's, uh, I mean, honestly, just going on what I said, like, I think it, I don't know how the issue I have, because usually I think things are planned. How do you plan for something like that? I mean, I guess you'd come up in your mind and be like, oh, he's going to time slip. But my issue I have with them thinking with anyone assuming this would be planned is this was never brought up ever (laughs) in any like marvel film in any season any last season of loki at all and all the marvel universe is supposed to be connected and we never even had any reference of this so i mean i just think it's kind of i mean maybe it was planned and it's something they came up with towards the end of last season but 
I think it's just something they just threw in there and just wanted the audience to accept. But because of the setting we're in and kind of what we've been told, like with the TVA and everything, which we have just had to accept a lot of stuff. Like you go throw the time variance authority in Iron Man, you'd be like, what the fuck is this? Right. Like that would make sense. But because of the setting we're in, I think it's something they decided to write in because they thought it'd be cool and then threw it at the audience and was like, oh, okay, you know what, as we're writing this, this is going to work because this is where this could play in effect, which really leads me into my debate, which is, it's kind of a big one here, but it, and we won't go into anything that happens later on in the season or anything, but from a Loki perspective, because think of it this way, Loki to the rest of the Marvel Universe besides what we've seen. As an audience, we know. They haven't seen him since Infinity War. They still think he's dead, most people, right? Because, you know, he's killed by Thanos, that variant of him, right? So, and we know he who remains is the, just keeping this in mind, like he is the enemy and he is the big bad right now they're going to take down. With this time slipping going on, where does Loki play a role in the overall goal? Like with the Avengers, like if he who remains is the big bad that they're going to take down in these bigger Avengers films or whatever it is, how does Loki show up and play a role in that? Does time slipping come into play? And if it's someone that can jump through all these timelines how can you even take down someone like that when it's really, let's be real, then it's just going to be what we're already seeing because it's Loki and Sylvie and Mobius that are just going to have to do it because no one else can really time jump. So say you have maybe Thor because he can go with him because that's his brother, right? <laughs> like, I mean, I'm assuming maybe. Like, he just shows up and he's like, hey, <laughs> you're there again causing problems. I'll go with you. Maybe that's the case. But from, let's say, a perspective of, you know, Spider-Man, Hawkeye, the Hulk, Carol Danvers, we talked about last week, whoever it is, last time I checked, they can't time slip and jump through these other timelines. So are they just going to be fighting all these variants of He Who Remains and then they disappear and die and then more reappear, but you're really not affecting the overall goal to defeat this guy? Like, where does Loki play a role in that? Does time slipping play a role in that? And how do you even do something like that if this is the overall goal? Or is this just a big riding plot mess that they back themselves into a hole into? I think there's a plan. And I think that, because as we are here today, here in episode one, the time slipping is random. So it's not like we can count on even Loki at this point being able to go to timelines at will when necessary. So right now, they, it's, just all, it's all random as we stand here in episode one. So it is, it's, hard to, it's hard to say in terms of where he's going to play a role or thinking you know, him, Sylvia, and Mobius can, can do these things because as of right now on episode one, there's no control to it. Do I think time slipping is going to play a role in this next phase of Marvel? 
probably, you know, and we did set this up, this whole introduction to the multiverse has, you know, it's been set up for, for some time. Obviously, we had Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. We had Spider-Man, No Way Home. We have, you know, obviously season one of Loki. Now we got this season two of Loki. So I do think that there's going to be a multitude of ways where the Avengers or whoever is left are going to be able to traverse different timelines, whether that be with Loki, with Doctor Strange, and maybe Wanda plays a role. I, I, I just I, I don't think it's all the TVA or nothing. I don't think it's just, you know, Sylvie Mobius Loki or we're fucked, you know. I think I think we got a, <laughs> uh, I think we got a few ways, and I think they did a good job. I don't think they wrote themselves into a corner at, at this point. I do think that there is a plan, and and I can kind of see where it would go because I do think it's gonna ha- end up having to be where we've got to go to different timelines and take out different variants until there's just no more variants. At least I think that was their plan obviously some things have since happened you know uh that could throw throw (laughs) certain things into um into a a little bit of a a hiccup but who knows maybe there's some there's a way that they can explain and kind of get back on track with the original plan even though it might look a little different you know so what i what i'm saying is at this point how we stand here i don't think this time slipping thing is random i don't think you know you asked me like where do i think loki plays a role i think just knowing a little bit further of you know the end here at season two i think that you know without giving anything away loki's gonna have a have a he's not gonna have an issue needing to go where he needs to go and, and appearing where he needs to appear i don't believe that's the case unless you know, him doing so involves having to, how, how do I say this without giving anything away? Unless him, him, yeah, going to these places would cause a disruption in other ways. And I'll, and I'll, I'll leave that where that's at there. But I also could almost see Loki somewhat being the highway for others to, you know, he, I don't want to say like, the best, the best, um, but that, like I said, it's hard to talk about this without giving anything further down the road of season two of Loki away. But the best thing I can think of, or, or a comparison I can think of, is maybe Loki ends up being some type of port key in a way in Harry Potter, where you know you you find somewhere, or maybe even flu powder. Maybe flu powder is better as a better thing because you know you have a destination in mind. You got to state it clearly, you utilize it, and then you go to where you need to go. Maybe that he's the he's the, the toll booth in the highway, you know, so to speak, for for them, for the rest of the, the good guys to go where they need to go to, to maybe handle these variants of He Who Remains. Again, this is just me spitballing ideas and, and just talking about it and just trying to answer the question you presented to me of where I think Loki fits in. But I think I think that there is a plan, I hope, <laughs> the changes you know, due to certain other circumstances don't really throw too big of a wrench into uh, into what the plans are. And I think that they can right the ship. You know, I hope so. <laughs> but I just think that there is a plan. Loki will play 
a role, whatever it looks like. Maybe he doesn't get to be in on the action, or maybe he does, and there's another way that can that I'm not thinking about that could go, you know. But I could definitely see him almost being like the the middleman to get to where he need to go, and that's what I'll say without trying to give anything else away for the future. Is just kind of here where we stand. I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, uh, my thoughts are it. I I guess I could see him. I guess the only way in my mind I can see him showing up is he just like appears with the time slipping to the present day where the Avengers are at and like, hey, like kind of like he's doing now. Like, hey, he who remains is on the way. Uh, you know, best of luck. <laughs> I'll keep like. Here's I my thing, know. though, and I don't I don't mean to interrupt you. Is that like. Given what you know for the end of this season, I don't necessarily think time slipping is even necessary for him at the end of where things are, because you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, you can kind of <laughs> man, <laughs> it's, it's hard to it's hard to talk about this without giving anything away. But you know, if there's a bunch of timelines. I think by the end, it, Loki may have a a way to go where he wants to go without needing to time slip. I'm just going to say that the best, like, you know, keep it vague, but you know, you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't necessarily know that time slipping is going to be a necessity in the future. That I think that's what, what I'm trying to get at. Do you, do you understand? Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can think this kind of will lead to though, is you got to be doing something like we know they are making secret wars. Maybe this is the secret war. <laughs> like, they're not going to really know about it. Like, you know, you have these... Maybe he's going to get allies. Just like how he has Mobius and Sylvie and, and Hunter B-15. And, you know, <laughs> gains more people in his, in his crew, I guess. And that's the secret war. Which I really hope not, though. Because I feel like that would be a really big letdown for, like, the secret wars, right? where we've kind of been building up to this guy. But uh, that's the only way I could see it is because otherwise, you know, these other big Marvel players, for instance, like Kate Bishop, right, with an arrow. <laughs> like, what's she going to do against the guy that can jump through timelines? That's at the end of the timeline. Like, Sylvie tried to stab him with a sword last season like a hundred times and it didn't work. You really think you're going to be able to put an arrow through this guy or drop a bomb on him. Even, you know, say you even have rocket, like what's rocket going to do right from guardians. Like who knows? So I don't know. Just my thoughts, man. But uh, yeah, man, uh, any final thoughts for the day? Yeah. I want to jump into the second debate that I had for this episode, because uh, I think this is a good part to really close out on on this debate for for today is that we see sylvie in the after credits scenes head to a mcdonald's and you know it's something that's very simple to us we see these things everywhere but for her you know growing up in apocalyptic timelines and having to survive and you know hunt her own food and all this and you know now she's it's almost like she's not capable of really understanding basic human civilization to where the timeline she's at now i forget what it was was it the 1980s in broxton oklahoma right i think it was in the 80s if i'm not mistaken but 
you know, she's been through all these huge things of everything dying out and she's been on the run. She's been in survival mode. And so do you, I guess my question regarding Sylvie here and maybe it gets answered later in the season, but for where we're staying here today, do you think time spent for her in a quote unquote normal, non life threatening location do you think it's going to change her to maybe be a little more empathetic, maybe grow emotionally instead of just always having to be on the run in survival mode, having to kill people? Do you think this time is going to be good for her to, you know, who knows how long she's going to stay? Time is very relative, especially in this series. But do you think the time spent in a timeline where things are there's nothing really bad going on it's majority peaceful you're in this small town in Oklahoma you you know you're you're at this chain restaurant that's just kind of starting up and gaining gaining prominence and there's really nothing bad going on in the world do you think this is going to help her grow as a character maybe help develop her a bit more to where she's not as cutthroat as not as like life or death type of deal and she's going to grow as a character from this experience of you know, kind of living a quote unquote normal life for a bit. Yeah, I I think she is. And the reason I say that is because you can already see her changing a good bit right now. Um, even from where she was in season one. Remember in season one, you know, they found Sylvie because she was another variant of Loki and they thought she was basically gonna burn down cities and kill people and stuff, right? Now we've learned Sylvie really hasn't been that way really even since that time. And I think the only reason, you know, she was really going after He Who Remains was because she had fear of losing something like this or wanting something like this. And you can really tell on her face just being at the McDonald's that, like, she never wants to go back, which I won't give away anything in the future, but... I think she's one of those people, like, I think she has warrior skills and qualities and a warrior mentality, but I don't think she truly ever wanted that. I think it's something she was forced into, which led her to become who she was. Interesting, right? It's kind of like Anakin before he went full Vader, right? But Sylvie is starting to go the other way. Like, I'm going to become the monster you made me in you know sylvie's kind of got that moment where you know she's kind of taken a step back a little bit and i think that's why we've started to see her change into this new role which is why we've started look at loki right he's a prime example people forget he's the dude that he's even joked about it he took over all of new york he was like the most hated villain of his old thanos right like, he brought a whole army on our heroes. Like, he was the problem for the longest time. And uh, he's even joked about it. He's like, yeah, there was a time, you know, I I killed a bunch of people and took over New York. I mean, we it, I don't want to give anything in the future, but I've, I've lost my cool before. But he's made a change. And I think that's what's so great about uh, these characters that we know is, they don't have the traditional of, oh, I was born a hero, you know, like Superman, right? Like everyone in Batman, like, of course, you know, they're classic, right? You got to respect where credit is due. But 
Superman, like he's always been the humble, honorable one, you know, came from Krypton's looking out for the little guy. Batman, like, yeah, he's edgy. He's rough around the edges, doesn't give a fuck, but he's always looking out for New York. Whereas the thing that makes these characters so great is they haven't always been the good guy. Like, these are people that have... Look at Anakin. Like, there's a reason I always love Anakin. I mean, I hate that he... <laughs> I hate what he did. But there's a re- there's something that draws you to them. And I think it's because, as a person, it makes them almost more relatable. Because it shows how vulnerable they can be. And, uh, you know, it's... You know, in the words of Yoda, you know, fear I sense in you. And I think that's part of Sylvie's, I I think she's always wanted, you know, for the better, the light at the end of the tunnel. And she's never been able to have that. And finally, she has a glimpse of this. And that's what's going to wind up turning her to this other side, which makes her a very powerful ally. I would call her an ally now, but she's kind of like that rogue ally he can't trust. It's like... Like, I want you on my team, but at the same time, are you going to pull the Antonio Brown and throw your gloves off and just leave me hanging? Like, I I wonder what you're going to do here. And I I think eventually, in the end, she honestly, honestly, I could very, you know, this is part of my issues with Marvel. Because if they really took a step back and thought of it. If they made Sylvie one of the major lead roles in the future, like you can make Sylvie even, you know, Loki's kind of played his role, right? We won't get into what happens later, but Sylvie could be a major juggernaut, especially if going into what you're talking about last week, like you're trying to build a female team. I have no problem with that. But then put Sylvie in there, someone that we've grown with this whole time that has gone from bad to where she's going now that can really kick ass so that's just my thoughts what are your thoughts Janelle? i think you made a good point when you say that sylvie almost had to become the monster that they thought she was just for survival she needed to survive because the tva painted her as this variant that it was a, such a danger to the timeline and was you know they needed to to take her out where that's not necessarily the case and more often times than not the quote unquote villains they 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 don't just most of the time they're not just born evil and just decide to do bad things there's like a catalyst event in their lives that switches them from okay like you know I'm going to have to go this route you know, for Loki, he felt that he was always overshadowed by his brother, that he didn't belong in Asgard, that his father looked down on him, that, you know, his mother didn't want him. And he almost felt like, you know, like a second class citizen because he wasn't a true, he wasn't born by his father and mother, you know. So he wanted to kind of, you know, get the attention he felt that he deserved. And the way he did that was like, all right, I'm going to be the most powerful. You guys don't believe in me. Like, now I'm going to you know, go the other way unfortunately and you know for for sylvie it's okay yeah i'm gonna have to kill all these people you're sending after me but you know at the end for me it's just more about survival like i'm not trying to kill these people i'm not i'm not out here you know intentionally causing harm at first but you're leaving me no choice because you're trying to you know put your lives at a higher priority than mine and i can't allow that if like you know a basic human instinct is to survive so 
you know, I, and I do think what draws us to these types of villains and, and not just us in terms of me and you, but the audience at large is that we all love a good redemption story. We all love a good redemption arc, someone who lost their way, who, you know, the world is written off, somehow makes a comeback and, and, and endears themselves into the hearts of the people in, in a good way. That's why those, pe- those kind of characters are more memorable than the ones that are just good from the start, right? And there's nothing against characters like Captain America. He just the, he's the ultimate good guy, but like he, I don't want to say this, and, and, and I don't want to be disrespectful, but it's almost he's a very bland and boring character. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's really <laughs> yeah. not a whole lot. Like there, you know, I talked to a bunch of people. Very few individuals will list Captain America as their top favorite Marvel character, right? And if you do, it's mostly because you, you you like the actor who plays him. You know what I mean? It's not it's not because you yeah. really look into the abilities of Captain America. Maybe you like what he stands for: truth and justice, and you know nonconformity, and you know, you know the God fearing man, and all that. And yeah, he's a very stand up guy. But there's not there doesn't seem to be a lot of depth to him, and there's not a lot of range to Captain America. And so that's why I say that. I don't say that as I, I think Captain America is a bad Marvel character. No, like he's great, and there's a lot of things like him. But I just don't think any not I don't think the majority of people list him as their number one top favorite of all time. And I think a lot has to do with the fact that you know he doesn't have, I don't want to say he doesn't have these struggles to overcome within himself, but you know we see all these other characters that have to go through this huge transformative process. And in the transformative process, we get more emotionally connected to those individuals because we can kind of see ourselves in these individuals. We all kind of lost away from time to time. We all want to realize the best version of ourselves. And sometimes that takes going to a dark place and pulling ourselves out of it. You know, and now those are the kind of stories that we most people can relate to. Not many people can relate to just being the, the great best person from the start who doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes and is just a good guy through and through. You know, and that's, that's hard to, it's hard to relate to that. So that that's why I think you know, that we relate so so much to these characters. We all love a good redemption story. And then, you know, to, to kind of bring this full circle back to the actual debate that I mentioned of Sylvie's time in this quote-unquote normal civilization, do I believe it's going to help her character development? Yeah, and I do. I do think it's going to help a lot. And I think it's going to, you know, when she when she doesn't have to constantly fear for her life and act accordingly, and she gets a second to breathe in and really take in, uh, a time of peace and I don't want to say prosperity, but at least you know a time of peace and calm. It's going to allow her, you know, to kind of connect with people a little bit better on deeper levels. And you know, she's not going to be that cutthroat villain of who you guys made her out to be by trying to hunt her down. And I do think that it will assist in her character development going forward. And yeah, man, those that's my thoughts on that. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that before we close out? No, I mean, just, I mean, I like what you said there. Like, I mean, it's very true. I mean, I no disrespect to Captain America, but yeah, I mean, he was always good from the start. I mean, everyone knows me here, you know, everyone knows who my favorite Marvel character is, really my favorite character of all time. And it's very hard to beat Daenerys Targaryen or Hermione Granger, but we all know it's Peter Parker. And the reason I've always loved Peter Parker is, if you you know we can even look at spider-man no way home right i mean even though he's always tried to do the right thing look who had to stop him uh, toby mcguire the og spider-man because he was taken to such a dark place like he didn't care anymore 
And I think we've always been, uh, you know, we've all had to go through dark times like that. And it's the struggles with the real world for the characters I think we most relate with. And that's why we love these characters so much. It's not about, uh, you know, even Danny, right? Like, uh, we all know, <laughs> we know what she did, and she's still one of my favorites. And it's because of the struggles she went through the whole time. And last time I checked, she didn't give two fucks about burning Lord Varys to the ground. So, I mean, it's like kind of one of those things. We all love characters that are truly relatable that you can see the flaws in these people and if you're i think it's great you know you're standing for good the whole time but at the same time how realistic is that like in a real world like i mean yeah i mean maybe you're the greatest soldier out there i can't sit here and say you know say you're not i don't judge people but at the same time especially who i am <laughs> you know I, I think it's very hard to be perfect in life. And when you have a perfect character that's been developed, it's very hard to get on board with them because you, at least in my opinion, it's very hard to see yourself in their shoes in that way. But with that, I'll let you close this out, man. Yeah, bro. Sounds good. I like the way you put that. Well, folks, if this is the first time that you've tuned into us, we really hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you've been with us since the very beginning, thank you for continuously being the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. If you're looking to where you can find us online, we're on all the social media platforms. We're on Instagram at official ridiculous Patronus. We're on TikTok at ridiculous Patronus. Back up Instagram at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. Back up TikTok at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. We've got a Facebook fan page, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We're on YouTube, Ridiculous Patronus. We're on Twitter, RP Factor Fantasy. Snapchat, RP Factor Fantasy. We do have our own website as well, ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com. So please click like, subscribe, leave a review, comment. All the audience engagement helps us out tremendously here on the show. So please continue to do so. Leave star ratings as well. And in terms of where you can find the podcast, if you're an Apple user, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. If you're an Android user, you can find us on Google Play. We're on Spotify. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Amazon Music. We're on Audible. We're on Stitcher. We're on Acast. We're on our host site, Podbean. Wherever you get your podcasts, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy are there. We are out for the day because this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing Signing off. off.